Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys and gals. That's another Facebook YouTube live with yours truly. Hope you all are doing exceptionally well. And for those who's watching me live right now or watching later, whether on uh, YouTube, feel free to share this broadcast um, and get out to as many people as possible. Um, hope you all are doing exceptionally well. Um, this Q&A is designed to help you guys grow spiritually for God's optimal use. That's my goal is to answer you guys' questions so you guys and gals can make sense of your lives. So if you're joining me live right now, share the broadcast, watching later. want to say thank you on YouTube, listening later on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. All those who's listening and watching over these years, months or weeks or days, whenever you found me, want to say thank you so much for entrusting um, um, your walk with God uh, um, uh, with myself to help you guys grow in that area. So let's get right into the chat. And for those who are brand new and you ain't heard nothing about it, starting January 2nd, I will be doing a, a course for singles. The course is called The Purpose of Singleness um, from the book that I wrote three years ago. The purpose of singleness. And so my goal is to help those who are single and those who are in unsure relationships um, really understand um, who they are as individuals and how to be uh, sound and whole. My goal in life is to help you understand that in order to hold anything in life, you have to be whole. And the only person that can make you whole is the spirit of God. So let's get right into the live feed. Um, you can go ahead and go to lifework.teachable.com to register. It's an ongoing enrollment. So if you're watching this video and it's February or March, you can jump right in. Um, but we have over 330 people so far. And so we want to get this up to 500 plus people. And it's going to be exciting. I already got the course laid out and I'm excited about what God's going to do for the singles. It's going to be two and a half semesters. So we got a long time with each other because you these type of things cannot be dealt with overnight. It has to happen over months and months and months. Let's get right into the uh, chat. Sha'ar, hey, what's going on? In injury of love. Hey, what's going on, Ashley? Hey, Coach Josh, I appreciate your service to the church so much. You're so welcome. God gets the glory for sure. It's very humbling that he'll utilize me and use me to help you all. Uh, universal discipline, what's going on, Coach? All's well. Just finished donating some buckets. I, I played some ball today before I got here, so I'm feeling real good. Um, T. Dre, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Devin Freeman, what's going on? Michelle Miller, hey, hey, hey. Just J-N-Y, hey, Coach, thank you for your work. You're so welcome. It's an honor. Uh, Deidrean Kemp, what do I need to do to get an impossible miracle? Well, you got to go to the one who's possible. Um, um, nothing is impossible to God, but we have to make sure that we really understand the nuances when it comes to impossible things in our life. Um, uh, the goal is to make sure that you don't have a desperate heart. You have to have a dependent heart. Um, sometimes we can be in desperate need for a miracle, um, but but we haven't really grasped the miracle. We haven't welcomed the miracle in. We Our hearts are not um, um, in love and in awe of the miracle, um, the man Christ Jesus. Um, and, uh, and so what we have to do is examine our hearts anytime we're asking for something that's impossible. Nothing's impossible of God. We just got to make sure that, that we are that we understand the nuances of your situation. Well, for you. So your question you have to ask yourself is, why do I want this miracle? Um, what habits or 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 um, uh, patterns did I have that got me into this situation? You have to examine the situation, you have to examine your heart to make sure that you go to God humbly and say, God, I repent for anything that I may have done that put me in this situation. Or I, I, Lord, I repent from a heart that may, that may be doubtful, that may have a lack of faith. God, I'm just going to go before you and say, God, I need you. 
but I need you more so to heal me because what I don't want to happen is to repeat this cycle again. So I want to make sure, God, that my heart is right towards you. My heart is right towards this miracle. And I got to make sure that, that I'm, I'm humble enough to say, God, I'm not going to repeat the habits or the patterns that got me into the situation that may cause this happen again. Sometimes we ask for a miracle, but we have allowed the miracle worker to work on us to ensure that he doesn't have to always come back and clean up a mess. So what do I need to do to get an impossible miracle? Examine your heart, examine the situation, learn from the situation and, 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 and see what new habits you have to implement to aid God in the process. Once your heart is postured before God and your heart has become humble and you've repented for anything that may have that you may have done to contribute to it, then all you got to do is trust the Holy Spirit at that point. After you've done after you have done everything to stand, stand therefore and stand and see the salvation of God. And, and But examining your heart, examining the situation, implementing new habits will aid in the miracle work. I hope that helped. Um, I don't know all the situation. I don't know everything about the situation, but I pray that helps you. Princess Angel says, do you believe weight slash health can pre prevent God from sending your spouse? Um, <clears throat> it can contribute to it. I, I mean, who am I to say? Um, God is God is unique in how he does things. But but we have to understand um, you have to be it um, to be it. You have to you have to match what you're asking for. And so if you notice that you're uh, that you're in an unhealthy state now, there's some people that like uh, 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 healthier people. What am I mean by healthier, but uh, um, bigger people and there's people who like skinny people. So we're not sitting there saying that there's a certain form um, that that is universally accepted as beautiful. You're beautiful the way you are. But but the goal is to examine where you are now. Am I overeating? Am I emotionally eating? Am I physically out of shape? Because why would God send you a man? Why would God send you a woman when you're only going to be together for 20 years because you're going to die off on them? What we cannot do is ask for something that we're not going to be at least 40 to 50 to 60 years with. You see what I'm saying? And so you have to examine your lifestyle, examine your habits and look at your heart and say, man, am I am I healthy enough for marriage? Because what I learned about marriage, marriage is not about what's between y'all two. It's about what's thrown at y'all two. You see what I'm saying? And if you're not healthy and you're not willing to endure, if you're not healthy in mind, healthy in spirit, healthy in emotion, healthy in body, you're going to be unhealthy for someone else. Because why would somebody who is fit want to be with someone that's going to be a liability to their fitness? So we have to always examine holistically, am I whole enough for the person that I want to have? Because a lot of people want somebody in shape, but they're not in shape. They want some Somebody who is who is going to be there for them, but they're setting themselves up to die off. So you have to examine your eating. You have to examine your lifestyle choices and say, hey, the, the, that's why singleness is not about um, preparing for marriage. Singleness is about preparing for the mission that God has for you. See what I'm saying? So when you understand that, you will say, OK, there's a mission that God wants me and my husband or me and my wife to, 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 to fulfill. And in order to do that, you have to be conditioned for it. In order to fulfill that call, you have to be mendable. I'm not bendable. You have to be stretchable. You have to be able to endure hardships like a good soldier. You're going to have to be able to uh, go through trials and, and be able to withstand and not die off because of hypertension or die off because of diabetes or, uh, or become a, a disability or a liability through stroke or through a high blood pressure, like, like this is serious. 
That's why I work out. That's why I change my diet. I can't be 300 pounds and my wife is anxious and nervous that her husband may die off. You have to be holistically healthy. So everyone who's watching me right now have to, if married or single, have to examine themselves and say, hey, Am I in shape enough? Am I conditioned enough for the call that God has for our union? And that could play a part. Do you believe weight health can prevent God? I think so. I think so. Um, because God understands and knows, hey, man, you got to get it together. Life is life is tough. It's hard out here. And you got to make sure that you're able to withstand hardship like a good soldier. So examine yourself. Uh, because most of us, the reason why we're out of shape is due to insecurities. The reason why we're out of shape is due to fears and we emotionally eating. I've been there, lived it. I was 310 pounds two years ago. Now I'm 260 something. So I had to get down because the enemy wants me dead. And the best way to have me dead is not to be dependent and not enjoy with God because he knows the joy of the Lord is my strength. And if I get caught up in enjoying other things in life above him, then when those things disappoint me, I'm I'm disappointed. I'm, then depression is inevitable. And then death is down the road. Do you believe weight health can prevent God from sending your spouse? Sure can. Universal Discipline says, hey, coach, what's the best way to stay patient during your pruning years? Is to understand the purpose of the pruning. The Bible says he prunes us. He prunes the branches so that we can bear more fruit. It's crazy how many of us, we desire big fruit, but we're not strong enough branches to bear the fruit that we desire. We have to make sure that we're strong enough to handle the fruit. Marriage is a fruit. Parenting is fruit. Uh, entrepreneurship, career, uh, purpose is fruit. We got to make sure we allow the pruning of God so that we can under, so that we can bear the fruit we need to bear. So the best way to stay patient is to understand that I have to love the process more than the prize because it's the process that makes me prize worthy. You see what I'm saying? It's the process that makes me who I need to be. And when you understand that the pruning process is going to make sure that you're strong enough to hold a marriage, strong enough to hold children, you got to understand you're part of a family tree. And, and there's a lot of people's trees, they're, they're, they're branches on the tree, but they're breaking, they're bending. Bending, and then you bending so low that the enemy can get to the fruit. You see what I'm saying? You don't even got to climb the tree no more because your branch is so weak. The fruit is hanging off of you. And then, and then, and then, and then the enemy can get to the fruit. So what you have to understand is, is that you have to say, am I strong enough as a person to hold marriage? And marriage is a big fruit. Ministry is a big fruit. Business is a big fruit. Uh, uh, all these things are big, heavy fruit. And it's crazy how many people ask for a marriage and then they settle for a marriage that God never intended for them and it breaks the branch. They jump into entrepreneurial endeavors and a branch breaks. No, no, no. That's why you have to allow the pruning to happen so that you can bear more fruit. So you have to change your your perspective and seeing how, what is marriage? What all comes with it? What all comes with ministry? What all comes with money? What all comes with anything I need to manage in life? And then you examine your life and say, you know what? Here are my weaknesses. Here are the breaches in my life. Here are the liabilities that can contribute to me not being able to hold it. I want to be able to hold my children. I don't want to get to a place where I'm low and I'm bending and I'm breaking and then the enemy can, and is messing with, the, uh, with my, the mindset of my children or the mindset of my wife because I'm not strong. And your strength is made perfect in his in your weakness. Uh, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. So you have to acknowledge, God, I am weak. I, 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 the fact that he's pruning you 
is a blessing. Pruning means that he, in in other words, he chastens those whom he loves. He prunes us because he sees the fruit. So, hey, coach, what's the best way to stay patient during your pruning years is to change the way you see the pruning and understand that the pruning is beneficial for 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 wherever else that I want to go in life and and jot down your growth journal your growth because it's interesting how how over the years God has strengthened me to be able to hold what I'm holding now and it's a supernatural strength it's because I'm submitted stay submitted in the process understand what the process is going to make you into examine exactly what you want to hold and then ask God what does it take oh no no go to God and say God I welcome whatever you need to do in my life to ensure that I hold this for your glory you don't want to hold it so that you can look good. You don't want to hold the marriage so that you can talk about how great you are. You don't want to hold a ministry so you can puff up yourself. You want to be able to hold it so God can get the glory. So when people come and examine your life, they can say, man, the only way that marriage is thriving, the only way that man and woman is thriving in ministry, the only way they are, are, are generating residual income for generational wealth, the only way they're doing it is because they allowed the spirit of God to prune them. Pruning is a blessing. And patience is a virtue. Patience never has negative emotions. If you neg- if you have a negative emotion while while waiting, you're not truly patient. Patience is a genuine emotion, meaning the, patience becomes its purest when you understand the purpose of patience. When you understand the purpose of patience, you'll wait because you'll know for a fact, I'm really not ready for that. Most people think they're ready for stuff, but when they try to latch themselves and reach for that thing, they find that they're the reason why they're ruining. They're the reason why they're ruining the marriage. They're the reason why they're ruining their ministry because they reached for something they wasn't ready for and did not allow the, the work of patience to do her perfect work. Hope to help. Ashley says, hey, coach, how do I stop going back to my vomit? It's been four years of being lukewarm. I'm scared. I'll never walk in my true call again. Uh, Fear has torment. The Bible says the perfect love, uh, uh, God's perfect love casts out all fear. So there must be some insecurities in your life. There may be a little bit of self-hate. There may be, I'm not, just hear me. There may be a little little bit of insecurities, low self-esteem, because when you know that you're loved by God, you work from love, not towards love. When you know that you're accepted by God, you're not working for acceptance. You're working from acceptance. When you know that you have been forgiven by God, you're not working for forgiveness. You're working from forgiveness. And when you understand that you are accepted by God and that you're a daughter by God, and you understand that because of Jesus' righteousness that's been imputed on you, you now have access to the Father. Now, that doesn't mean or give you license to sin. It's just a reality that because of the work of Christ, now I'm in righteous standing with God. And that righteous standing in, in Christ, it gives me the opportunity to live righteously. And, and when you begin to understand who you are in Christ and you begin to understand the love of God towards you, I don't know, don't listen, that, that, that love of God is twofold as a tender love and a tough love with God. So don't get it twisted that you, that because God loves you, that you can get away with stuff. Know that God has a tough love that the Bible says he chastens those whom he loves, that he's going to come get you. He's going to come prune you. He's going to come rip you from your idols. He's going to, see, you got to stand that grace and mercy follows you. Mercy means he's very mindful for other sin that you practicing, but because he sees that you're his, he's giving you mercy. So just because God has love there doesn't mean love is, is, is causing him to be blinded to your mess. It's just giving you understanding that because of that grace, he's going to help me with the mess, but there's mercy there. Mercy means he's still mindful, but his grace is coupled with it. So 
in order for you to step into a place of liberation, you have to re you have to unlearn past learnings, bad learning. You have to learn the word, learn who you are in Christ, and start with the baby steps. You see what I'm saying? So how you stop going back to your vomit is seeing it as vomit, seeing that it as disgusting. Now, if that doesn't work, then there may be some demonic oppression there. There may be some uh, insecurities there. There may there may be some deep dark stuff in the basement of your soul based upon when you was uh, your formative years, based upon what happened in your family, based upon what happened in life. And you got to get a sheet of paper and write down, why do I keep going back to this? Why do I keep going back to this sin and examine your heart? Number one, ask yourself the question, do I understand how loved I am by God? Number two, do I understand who am I as the righteous in God in Christ Jesus? Do I understand the, the benefits that comes with this, this walk with God? Do I understand um, um, the help of the Holy Ghost? Do I understand um, what sin does? When you begin to process all of those layers, you will begin through the help of the Holy Ghost and the renewing of your mind, begin to see that sin for what it really is is, you will be able to look at the ingredients of that sin and see how it has all type of uh, bad ingredients and, and artificial flavors and how it's, it's damaging your soul. So you got to examine why, who, what, when, where, why, who, who, it, who is contributing to it? When did it start it? Where did it start it? Why did it start it? How did it start it? And, and, and what am I doing? And really examine it. Hey, coach, how do I stop going back to my vomit? It's been four years of being lukewarm. Listen, that's a dangerous place to be. Now, the fact that you ask that question means that there's hope. It could mean that you have uh, the goodness of God drawing you to repentance. That the fact that you ask that question because a, a person that's left to their reprobate mind ain't going to ask that question. But a person, there's hope. The fact that you're asking that question gives gives some evidence, not, not definitive evidence, but it, it could allude to the Holy Spirit working in your life. There's nothing to be afraid of. The enemy wants you to be in fear and in condemnation so that you'll never go to the loving arms of the one that chose you. And so you can walk in your true calling. You just got to do some deep, deep digging and allow the Holy Spirit to do some thorough cleansing and really uh, understand that you can have a desire to walk with God, but you got to couple that desire with discipline. The Bible says those who continue in my word will prove to be my disciples. Indeed, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You got to get in the word of God and really and really fight, fight for that freedom, fight for the hope that's in you and, and watch the Holy Spirit enable you. See the sin for what it really is and examine what insecurities, what fears, what things in my life am I allowing? The Holy Spirit will reveal to you the root demon, the root oppression, the root cause that conceived this. And then you may have to forgive your dad. You may have to forgive that deep root issue. Maybe it's abandonment. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe it's, it's abuse. And you got to forgive those people so that you can be liberated because forgiveness is a gift to give you the opportunity to go forward. So you have to forgive those. The Holy Spirit will guide you to the root, the conception of it. Do your forgiving, do your repenting, and then and then help the Holy Spirit in the cleansing process by, by being available, by allowing it to happen. And then over time, you will begin to see yourself weaned off of that sin. You'll go from doing it all the time to doing it sometime, to doing it every now and then, to rarely doing it, to it not being a part of your life. It's a process. Says, but you have to cooperate with the work of the Holy Ghost. First off, you can't be scared. Fear has torment. Don't allow fear to torment you. Allow um, 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 the love of God to liberate you. 
Nick, what's going on? Good night. Good night. Princess Angel says, do you believe? Oh, okay. I already answered that. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, what's up, Xavier Woods? What's up, family? Info ASAP says, how do I know if God wants me to be married? I prayed for my spouse. However, how do I know if he even called me to be a wife? The fact that you have a desire to be a wife means that you're probably going to be a wife. Um, there's people who just don't have no desire to be married. <clears throat> and that's that's normal. There's some people that have a desire to be married. And the fact that you want to be married or desire to be married is a beautiful thing. Uh, um, it, the goal we have to understand that we cannot be consumed in praying for something. God doesn't need us <clears throat> to remind him. God doesn't need us to petition, to petition, to petition. Now, there's nothing wrong with petitioning until your heart is in a in a proper uh, uh, place of 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 joy. There's nothing wrong when you're in. I wouldn't say doubt, but you're in a place of of just um just babe level. You know, there's nothing wrong with petitioning, but you cannot petition with the heart that's idolizing the petition. You have to petition because you really want to be in God's will. There's nothing wrong with petitioning God when you desire to be in his will until you grow into a faith to transition from petitioning all the time to praising all the time. That anytime you have a worry or doubt a situation about marriage, you say, I already know God's taking care of that. I'm not going to worry about that. But as you grow into maturity in Christ, nothing wrong with petitioning, but you got to make sure that you that you love the one you're petitioning to than the thing that you're petitioning. You see what I'm saying? So God doesn't mind giving good gifts. All good things come to the, come from the Father of Light. So God desires to He does. There's, he's not keeping marriage from you, but marriage could be kept from you until you mature and grow in that marriage. So instead of asking and praying for it, prepare for it. Many of us we got to stop praying for things and prepare for those things. We we done prayed for years. Now it's time to prepare for the rest of the time. You see what I'm saying? How do I know if God wants me to be married? The fact that you asked that question shows that you have a desire for marriage and God doesn't mind you being married. I pray for my spouse. However, how do I know if he even called me to be a wife? Um, the fact that you have a desire shows that he doesn't mind you being married. We just got to make sure that you're mindful of what it takes to be married and don't worry about praying or petitioning anymore. Just prepare for it. So what you need to do is say, what do I want in a spouse? Now, I want you to write down who you are now, and I want you to write the differences between the two, and that should be what you work on. That's how you distract yourself from being distracted about desiring for marriage. You say, this is who I want to be with in my life. This is the type of man, this is the type of woman I want to be. We want you to be, have a list of substance, though. Don't have a superficial list. Nothing wrong with having uh, um De desirable things, it should be 80-20. 20% can be looks-based. It could be looks and, and those kind of things, uh, um, attributes, character, uh, traits, facial, whatever. Maybe 10%, 90% have to be substance. 90% has to be uh, 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 spiritual, emotional, mental, physical substance. It's nothing wrong with writing down what, how tall you would like him, how tall you like her. It doesn't, it does because chances are the things you like, Chances are God placed it in your heart because he knew that's exactly how your husband's going to look. That's exactly how your wife's going to look. But in the meantime, you say, this is who I am. This is who I would like to have. And wow, 
I'm not even at the level to marry that person. It'll humble you and you won't even pray anymore. You'll prepare more. You see what I'm saying? So the fact that you even asked that question shows that you have that you probably will be a wife, but don't worry about it. In the meantime, just say, God, I'm going to be the wife a man needs. I'm going to be the spouse my man needs because a lot of people can keep a house, but they can't keep a spouse. A lot of people can keep a house, meaning women, they can keep a house clean. Men, they can keep a house paid for, but they can't keep a spouse. So don't get so caught up on wedding. Don't get so caught up on that. Focus on, can you endure marriage? Hope that helps. Princess Angel said, do you believe what? Oh, she said, you're going to answer my question, coach. I'm going to ask you 15 times because you're going to answer my question, coach. I got you. And those people who's joining me right now, <clears throat> new course coming out January 2nd, uh, course for singles, those who are single and those who are unsure relationships, make sure you go to lifework.teachable.com and join the course, enroll in that course now. For those who's watching later, that link will be in a in the comment section below. Those who's watching now, time seems to be down there as well. So also do me a big favor to help this video get more traction. I would love and appreciate of all you guys who's watching now can like the video. And um, and if you're watching this not live, like it still. Let's get these kind of content in, in, in front of more people so we can help more people unplug. Let's keep going. Michelle, oh, oh, I don't want to skip nobody. Mute TV says, hey, coach, do you have any tips for meditating on God's word? I know this is the key to allowing God to really transform us, but I'm struggling with sitting still and thinking upon his word. Stillness is where wellness comes from. If you want wellness, you got to understand stillness. Stillness is a discipline. Stillness is a decision. Um, stillness is a mindset. Um, um, when you understand the purpose of stillness, you understand the importance of life because in the noise, there's all kind of confusion and where there's confusion is every evil work. You see what I'm saying? It is in the quietness, it's in the stillness of life where you begin to uh, unify yourself. The difference between us and God is that God is three in one and we're three in one as well. His essence of the triune nature is in unity. Our triune self is in disunity. It is in the stillness that we make our flesh, make our emotions, make our mind, and make our bodies come in alignment with the Holy Spirit and invest in that moment and be present in that moment. In this new era, we haven't, we lost the essence of being present. We are more present in our past and in our future than we are in the present. The present is the gift. Guess how many of us got unopened gifts? How many unopened gifts do you have in your life? If you look back at all the days of your life, how many days have we allowed or how many presents or moments in time we left unopened? unwrapped. So we have to be intentional with it. It, it. Everything boils down to discipline. I think what's messing us up as a people, we have great desire, but we don't have great discipline. It is in the discipline through, through willingly being a disciple of Christ that enables us to be able to presently be invested in a moment of stillness. Because it's in those moments, especially in meditating on God's word, that we implement what the word of God says, that the Bible says, meditate on my word day and night. The Bible talks about their parents, that we that you share the word with your children as they come out, as they go out, as they come in, as they sit down, as they rise up. 
That's the choice that we have to do. I meditate on your word day and night. David said, I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We have to understand the weaponry of the word of God. The word of God is our only weapon against the enemy. I challenge you in your situation. Can you quote back to back to back five verses to attack the enemy on? The fact is, even Jesus didn't even use five verses. He used one. How many of us have at least more uh, weaponry and bullets to be able to use in the midst of warfare? So my tips for meditating on God's word is to understand the value of it. That is just not words on paper. They are living words. In order to really embrace the, the life of God's word, you have to allow the, the author of the word to read it to you. What I mean by that, what I do is, Holy Spirit, it's me and you with this word. Make it alive to me. Read it to me. Um, like I give this example all the time when I, I work at elementary school, kids don't really care about me reading. They care about the relationship they get to have or the opportunity they get to have with allowing me to read. They just want my company. So when you want the Holy Spirit to read it to you, then you can be able to see the life changingness of it. So do you have any tips for meditating on God's word? <clears throat> what you do is practically whatever situation that you're going through right now, there's two things. Either, either you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to a, a theme or you look at your life and what you're going through and pull a theme from it. Now, what I mean by that, if the Holy Spirit says you're struggling in this area or you recognize you're struggling in this area, what I need for you to do is get a, a verse a week. Sometimes I say get a verse every two weeks. Give yourself 14 days with a verse. And all I want you to do is write it down, whatever you, whatever uh, vehicle or resource way you like to use, get you a note card, get you uh, a notebook, get you to put it in your phone and remind yourself to look at that word. And what, I, what you need to do is write that verse on a sheet of paper. This is how I meditate on God's word. I write the verse out and I examine every word. When you look at, let's look at Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 or something. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust. Wow. I can't even get into the Lord part because I look at the word trust. And when I meditate on that word, see, this is how you meditate a long period of time. You look at the word trust. Do I really trust him? You don't even get past it. You don't even get to the next word. You look at the word trust. Now, what does, do I really trust God? What areas of my do not trust God? And you meditate on that word trust. Then when you feel deliberate, when you feel uh, 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 released to go to in the Lord, now you ask yourself, you know, do I really trust in the Lord? Now, what does it mean for him to be the Lord over my life? Just to get through one verse may take you two weeks because you can't even get in all your ways because you looking at you. It took you took you three or four days to examine the word trust. Trust. Do I trust him in the Lord? Am I in the Lord? Am I allowing him to be Lord of my life? Because everybody wants Jesus to be their savior, but not everybody wants Jesus to be their Lord. Then you start looking up other verses about the word Lord. See, you can't. it takes me sometimes a month to get through a verse. So what you do, you sit with that verse and you examine every word. So look at your life. What am I going through in my life? Do I have a lack of faith? I'm going to go to openbible.info. I'm going to look up the word faith. I'm going to look up scriptures on faith. And I'm going to just, I'm going to take, I'm gonna, the Holy Spirit will, you, the Holy Spirit will show you the verse. You'll look at the verse and be like, that's the one I need to just dissect. The Holy Spirit, everything has to be through him. He'll say, you know what? Look at that verse that says, uh, without faith is impossible to please God. If any man desires to draw, draw, um, draw, after, draw near to God, uh, must know that he's existing. He's rewarded those diligent seek him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You will be able to find a verse and you will be on that verse for weeks, but you gotta, you can't just scan through it for meditation purposes. You gotta put it in practice. You gotta put it in your heart and you do it by trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not. What does that mean? All your lean not to understand it, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And you'll just it'll take you two weeks to get through the verse. That's how you do it. Slow. If you're going too fast, slow yourself down. If you feel like you just running through life and days are going through like this and you're not in a you slow yourself down. You make yourself still. You sit down and you examine the scriptures with the Holy Spirit and watch the fruit that bursts out of your life. I know this is the key to allowing God to really transform us, but I'm struggling with sitting still and think you got to say, why do I have a problem sitting still? Do I do I do I drink a lot of caffeine? Um, what's my diet like? Am I drinking a lot of uh, chemically based foods? Um, and, and what is my regimen like? Your life cannot, your relationship with God should not surround your life. Your life should surround your relationship with God. You, is, is the devil and this world system is not going to make it easy. So now you got to start stripping away everything that's not allowing you to make time with God. And that's on you, my friend. Prince Angel says, do you, good gracious, Princess Angel, you, your question got answered. <laughs> Michelle Miller says, I just heard that song Insecurity by Jason on today. It sounded pretty good. I see he had you as a feature. Yeah. You know, coach is diverse in his abilities. You know what I'm saying? So he reached out to me, watched my video a long time ago, and, and he his whole album has me on it. So look up Jason Sannon. I, I know I'm saying his name wrong. I forgot how you pronounce his name. Um, and I'm all on his album. So it's an honor. Um, that one song I'm I'm really on pretty hard is the song. Um a song called I think it's called Insecurities, but Jason on it was an honor to be on his album. Naya Love says, "How do I get over being addicted to social media and what others think of me?" Great question. <clears throat> Let's tackle the social media part. Oh, see, I got to get back to your question. I want to make sure I handle your layers correctly. Uh, okay. Almost there. There you go. How do I get over being addicted to social media and what others think of me? Let's break down social media. Social media is a gift, but it can be a curse. It all boils down to how you use it. Um, the reason why people are addicted to social media because they're addicted to what people have to say about them. They're addicted to uh, uh, um, they're addicted to uh, being accepted, being loved. And so, what happens to most people? They only have social media to receive validation. If you don't understand your validation in Christ, if you don't understand that you're accepted by Him, you're going to look for acceptance. And most people are looking for acceptance and 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 drug to increase their self esteem. They're trying to get high, so they utilize social media. And so, what happens is. Oh, today was a good day solely because of the engagement I have online. Today was a good day solely based upon the affirmation or the validation I received online. And, and people are dying by that. They're suicidal based upon that. They're depressed based upon that because they don't understand that these people mean nothing to you or should not mean that much to you in the grand scheme of things. These are people who's behind a screen who don't know you like God knows you. So when you understand that you accepted by God, you will utilize social media as a resource and a tool and not be a tool by social media. So how to break the addiction to social media is to, is to 
is to have an honest discussion with yourself before God and say, you know what, God, I'm idolizing the, the perspectives of others. And so what you have to do is liberate yourself from the opinions because people are flawed. Hear me. Hear me, hear me. People are jacked up. They're the same people that cried Hosanna for Jesus with the same ones that crucif said crucify him. So you got to understand people are, the Bible talks about that people will be even more selfish. People will even be more lovers of themselves. And so the only way they're going to be in love with you is if you validate their self, if you invest in their self, and the moment that you take ownership for yourself, they got something to say. Do not allow the opinions of others to manipulate you or to determine your value. Then now one day, Tuesday was a great day because I got a bunch of love. And I, this person, I, I think they're subtweeting me. So now you low in the dumps again. No, 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 no. You got to embrace the acceptance of Christ. You got to look at your life and say, man, why am I insecure? Why am I doubtful? Why am I going here for life? The woman at the well came to the well and Jesus was like, man, she was talking about where is this living water? Because Jesus was talking about if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. And she was like, yo, player, where you get this living water from? And Jesus was like, listen, man. And she was talking about how my our forefathers built this well. And Jesus began to allude that. If you drink of this world, you have to keep coming back to it to feel nourished. But if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. So, so many of us are so thirsty to be accepted, thirsty to be to be admired that we have to keep going to Facebook, the Facebook well, the Instagram well, the Snapchat well, the TikTok well, the, the LinkedIn well, whatever well. We keep going back to this. And Jesus is like, yo, <laughs> you thirsty? If you drink of me, you will never thirst again. And that's what I saw in my life. I'm not desperate for nothing. I don't need nobody's validation. I don't need no preacher circle. I don't need nobody to say, Josh, you anointed. No, I'm already assured of my anointing. I'm already assured of my call. And I, I don't mind having people in my life, but I don't need people in my life. So when you get, I used to be the type of guy, if I saw two or three thumbs down, I'm like, man, who, who thumbs down this? And then I realized, man, not everybody's going to like you. And when you get that through your head and realize that no, not everybody's going to like you, you can't, when you care, when the fact that we care about whether or not other people like us shows that we don't like ourselves. Self-hate is a subtle thing. Self-hate is a dangerous thing. A lot of us do not love ourselves. A lot of us do not care about ourselves. If you always need people around, if you always need your thumb active, if you always need to be engaged what's going on in a device, then you haven't allowed the divine to make you who you need to be. See, when you keep going to a device, you don't know your price. You don't know your value. So you got to take a hard look at yourself and say, you know what? Why am I addicted to this? And the reason why we addicted to this because we have idle time. I don't have time to be on social media all the time. I gotta fin. I gotta make sure this course is amazing for y'all. I gotta make sure I get this book done. I got too much to do. I got a wife that's looking me in the face. I got children possibly coming this year. You see what I'm saying? So I don't got time for that device to rob me of what I need to do. So what you gotta do is go be honest with God. God, look, man, I'm addicted and I need your help. And understand that there's gonna be a withdrawal period. But what, you're going to feel withdrawals. But what you got to do is say, you know what? What's my purpose? You got you to gotta go to your app. Your app is you. 
app means what do I need to apply in my life? What applications do I need to do in my life to keep me preoccupied to worry about these digital apps? What do you need to apply today that's going to make you feel fulfilled? What do you need to apply today? Have you checked your app? Have you checked yourself? Examine your heart and see why you care so much about other people say, because you were either you don't you want to live off the word of God, not off the words of men. If you allow yourself to that, you only feel alive when people say certain words. All you got to do is go to the word of God. All you got to do is engage with God and allow his words about you be the living, the, the, the living well that wells up inside of you. Because if you live by people's opinions, you will die from their rejection. So how do you get over from being addicted to social media? Have the honest conversation with God. Examine the root reason why the insecurity, inadequacies, the fear, and and really engage with God and put limits. Ask God to show you the accountability part and so they can hold you accountable and and get into your purpose, man, Because, because all that stuff on social media is just a distraction. Hope to help. And who cares what people think about you? I do not care what nobody think about me because I already know what God thought about me. God ain't thinking new stuff about me. He's already thought about me. You see what I'm saying? He are, his thoughts are already established for me. He's not thinking new things about me because he's eternal. He always he knew me completely in my mother's womb. He knew me before I was even conceived in my mother's womb. So God is not thinking of new things about me. He has already thought about me and his thoughts about me has been established. And when you welcome that and when you accept that, your thought patterns will be focused on his glory, grinding for his glory. And then when what people say about you will be like water on a duck's back. Leanna says, how do we distinguish a counterfeit and the one? Good question. What is the difference between a counterfeit and a counterpart? A counterfeit is a force fit. You know it's a counterfeit when it's trying to force its fit in your life, when it's trying to force uh, itself in your life, or when you find yourself always in fits. You always find yourself emotionally distraught. You always find yourself emotionally uneased. You know it's a counterfeit when it comes before you are a counterpart. When you know for a fact that you're still developing and you know for a fact that God is still working on you and you know for a fact that you're not ready, God will not send anything into your life prematurely. Anything that comes before God's timing is a counterfeit. The problem is... We don't know enough about God to recognize his timing. We don't know enough about God to recognize his pruning. We don't know enough about how God does things to be able to engage in the things of God. And so what messes us, a lot of us up is we think we ready, but we don't do self-examination enough. You got to look at your life and realize I ain't ready. And when you understand that you're not ready, you don't mind waiting. You don't mind sitting. You don't mind working on you because you know you're not ready. The counterpart will come when you no longer can occupy your season alone. When Adam was naming the animals, it was not until his assignment of his singleness was done before God put him in a place of rest. You know for a fact that a person is the one when they come into your season of rest and they are also rested. You see what I'm saying? So when a person comes into your life, you got to say, am I restless or am I rested? And fellas, do not marry a woman if you're restless. Ladies, do not make yourself available to a restless man. And men, don't make yourself available to a restless woman. God, you know you're ready for the next level when you are still and at rest in God's rest, meaning that you're chilling with God. You're distracted by God. You are in love with God. Yeah, you want a husband. Yeah, you want a wife. But you're enjoying the rest of this life, the peace of life. If you in stress, you're not ready. If you in rest, God may be positioning you. 
So you got to look at your life. Am I in rest or am I in stress? If you in stress, it's a counterfeit if it comes. If you're in a place of rest, you still have to examine it. But the only way you know that a person is a counterpart for your life is to look at the parts on the counter of your life. Look at the parts on your counter and say, okay, this is all that is in my life. These are all the parts, all the pieces of me. And when a person comes, you will sense in your spirit if they are supposed to fit. I think the recognizing of the recognition of the person or the real deal in your life comes from the Holy Spirit. That's why you got to know him now. If you don't even spend time with God, God ain't going to bring that person in your life. Everything boils down to understand the person of God, understand who you are as a person, understand your purpose. When you know the person of God and you know yourself as a person and you know your purpose, you will then be able through the Holy Spirit, recognize your person. You see what I'm saying? So how to distinguish a counterfeit and the one a counterfeit is going to try to force its fit or you're going to try to force it to fit and it's not going to work. Now, you can make it work, but it won't work long. A counterpart comes in when you have finished an assignment of your single years and it's no longer good for you to be alone. Somebody asked me a question about God. And it was like, if 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 it why, why was Adam? OK, how did it go? It was like um, if God. It was everything Adam needed. Why did Adam feel alone? You have to understand. Um, um, God can't keep you warm like a woman. <clears throat> God can't do what a woman can do for you. God can't do what a man can do for you. You have to understand that God is the source. But just because you have water in your building, if you don't have a faucet, that water ain't going to come. So there's a beauty between resource and source. So God knows that I can reveal myself in a different way through this resource. So, yeah, it yes. Adam is complete in me, but but in order for Adam to complete his purpose, he needs someone that 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 has my breath of life in them to be a resource by which he I source through. So my wife is a resource by which the source of God flows through. But I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't make children with God. I can't, I can't. Uh, God ain't gonna come and 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 be a wife to me. He had to give me a woman. You see what I'm saying? But until you finish the assignment of your single years, and until you at a place of rest, God is not gonna reveal His best to you because He's gonna be like, why am I gonna sing you this individual if you haven't recognized me as a person? Counterfeits are force fits. Either they're trying to force their fit in your life or you're trying to force their fit in your life and you are uh, caught up in having a fit all the time because it when thing when it's the right one it flows. When it's not the right one, eh, you're forcing it. But you have to have an honest conversation with yourself. You know good and well it's a counterfeit when you know for a fact I don't even know all the parts on the counter of my life because when you know the person of God and you know who you are as a person and you know your purpose recognizing your person would be a miracle. Hope to help. Pr uh, Princess Angel. Oh, you got a new question. Okay. Do you, oh, no, same question. India, Andrea Love says, coach, my question is when speaking in tongues, coach, my question is when speaking in tongues and you're able to hear what the spirit is saying, what does that mean? Um, some of us, we have the gift of in, uh, gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues. Um, gift of tongues is being able to uh, well, I ain't gonna get deep in there. Let me ask you a question specifically. Um, 
the beauty about speaking in tongues is that the Bible says, build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. That's praying in tongues and that's praying in the spirit. Praying in tongues is a great resource to edify yourself, to encourage yourself, to strengthen, to rev up your spirit, to get your spirit in a place of, of, of faith, of, of electricity, of, of vibrancy that, that, that prepares you for an assignment. So I pray in tongues when I feel myself afraid, when I feel myself doubtful, I pray. the Bible says, build yourself up by praying in the Holy Ghost. So I pray in tongues to build myself up in my most holy faith is a resource that builds me up in faith to go forward in something I may be afraid of, of something I may not be sure of, right? Praying in the spirit is, is in English and it's the Holy Spirit kind of takes your English, takes your words and you start, you he's utilizing you as a resource do, 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 to shoot things down the spiritual realm. And so if you're able to interpret what the Holy Spirit is saying, that's a gift, the interpretation of tongues. And that's a gift that that you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in, in a ministry where they're able to nurture that gift so that you can be able to exercise that gift for God's use. Ashley got my syllabus ready. Let's go. Go to lifework.teachable.com. Download your syllabus. The, uh, the purpose of singing this uh, course starts January 2nd. And if you're watching this video in February, March, get in there, get in there. We may be in video six by now, whatever, but get in there. It's exclusive. Um, so I'm going to do YouTube lives every Thursday at 730. If you're not able to get it, the video will repost. If you want the holistic plan, the mind, body, and spirit plan, if you want the verses and the prayer plan, if you want the worksheets and the activities, you got to sign up for free at lifework.teachable.com. And that's where we're going to be having dialogue. You can, under every video, you can post your questions. You can post um, 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 what you got from your readings. We're going to build a community. I want to, I'm investing a year and a half of my life every Thursday and other days to devote to y'all. I still do live Q and A's. I still do videos for men periodically. I still do those things, but I'm dedicating my time every Thursday at seven thirty, live Eastern Standard Time, live on YouTube. But if you want all of the resources, that's free for you. I'm giving this of my time. Um, you can download those resources ahead of time, and that's where the community is building. Um, but the YouTube videos, once the live is over, they will be available. Um, but I, I would love for y'all to join. We have 330 some people. Let me see exactly what the numbers are. I don't want to be capping like the young people say. Um, so far we have, um, almost there. We have 360 people in the course, 360 people so far. My goal is to get to a thousand. Uh, my goal is to get to 500 first. Then seven hundred, and then a thousand, um, and that's it's going to grow as the year goes on. But 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 I'm excited. Um, we have a get your syllabus, get ready because we're gonna we're gonna get deep. If you a high school student all the way until you sixty or seventy, and if you single or you in a relationship that you like, I'm not really sure if this is the one for me. This course is for you. We're gonna get serious. We're gonna get real because it's time out playing playing these games with our lives. If you're watching this video, like it. Let's get this video up. We got 90 people watching. Let's get up to about 90 likes. Let's get it going. Uh, Samela Campbell says, hey, coach, how do you know when a guy is sent straight from hell and is a possible distraction or could possibly be a godly man that you've been asking for and God giving you desires of your heart? Great question. So the difference, we're going to talk about the difference between a godly man 
and a and a and a godless man, a godly man versus a godless man. And fellas, this applies to you: a godly woman and a godless woman. The Bible says you will know them by their fruit. You won't know them by their words. You'll know them by their actions. Um, if a person's not committed to God, it won't be committed to you. Uh, a godly man is a God-fearing man. The people, the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If a man doesn't reverence God, he will not revere you. I reverence my wife. I reverence the God in my wife. I reverence uh, the, the, the position of my wife. If I hurt my help, I hurt myself. That's what I have to understand. So a godly man is a man who fears God above anyone. He doesn't fear man. He doesn't even fear you above God. He fears God. He's not, he's not, he's not easily manipulated. He doesn't care about you. He love he, he, he welcomes your emotions, but he does not allow your emotions to many. He's an unmanipulative man, a man who fears God, a man who's not swayed. Now he's human. Don't get it wrong. He's not perfect, but he is in a perfect place because he fears God. A godly man fears God because he, you, you know, the level of a man's reverence by the level of wisdom he walks in. If a man is not wise and he's making poor decisions in, in those areas, he lacks fear of God. So, hey, coach, how do you know when a guy is sent from hell? You know he's sent from hell when your life feels like hell. You know he's sent from hell when life is not flourishing, life is not flowing. You know that this person is a distraction when you distract it. You know when you distract it. You know when you a person of God is going to push you closer to God, not pull you from God. That's the difference. If that person is consistently pushing, there's some people that are start off hot. They'll start off pushing towards God, but 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 time wanes. There's a difference between time revealing and the Holy Spirit revealing. We, you don't need time to reveal the character of a person. The Holy Spirit will let you know. I am a living witness that God has in my place in my heart. Uh, he has told me she ain't the one. That ain't the place to go. Don't do that. But in my immature state, my stupidity, I did it anyway. In real time, I knew the, the, the real deal. But because of my heart and because I'm whatever, I was like, I really want this bad more more badly than this. I did it anyway. So you don't have to wait till time to reveal anything. Trust the revelation of the Holy Spirit. A godless man is a man who's not wise and has no reverence of God. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't he doesn't fear you because the level of someone's respect towards you will determine the limits of their actions. If they truly respect you, their actions are limited. If they don't respect you, their actions are limitless. What I mean by that, a person who respects women will never hit a woman. A man who truly respects a woman will never cheat on a woman. A man who truly respects a woman will give his attention to his woman, right? His actions are limited. But if a man doesn't respect a woman, he may give actions of respect temporarily, but his actions will prove if he truly respects you. But if you don't understand how, if you don't respect yourself, you won't recognize respect. Real recognize real. Respect demands respect. And you got to look at your heart and say, am I in a place to recognize the real deal? When you know the real deal, who is God, you will be able to recognize a counterfeit at a glimpse, at a glimpse. You can look at it and smell and sense and know that ain't of God. So, hey, coach, how do you know when a guy is sent straight from hell and it's possible distraction? You know he's a distraction when you're distracted. You know you're distracted when you 
uh, demonically, not demonically, but you find yourself overly emotionally invested. You find yourself overly consumed by them. Some people are sent in our lives like ticking bombs. That that person really only have no love for you. They 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 have a demonic connection to you because demons send people delusional people. These people you thinking they're into you, but not into you. They become distractions, and then they become the destructive tool the enemy uses by just take stealing your time, killing your joy, destroying your purpose. All of a sudden, now you got two or three babies by him. All of a sudden, you got you got an STD from her. All of a sudden, he done he done brought a person temporarily. You gave a temporary person permanent place in your mind and heart. That person caused destruction in your life. That person moved on to cause destruction in somebody else's life, and you left destroyed. You got to get to a level where you are dependent on God. You got your spiritual disciplines involved. You are you are dedicated to the purpose and to per, uh, personal development. And you'll be able to recognize fruit from a glimpse. It all boils down to the dependency of your heart and your trust in him. Great question. God to give you the desires of your heart. You got to make sure you delight in him first. The Bible says, they that delight in the Lord, he'll get the desires of your heart. Whatever you delight in has your desires. Whatever has your desires has your disciplines. Contrary to proper belief, everybody's disciplined. Not everybody's disciplined in the right things. Call me Ken. What's up, fam? Says, good evening. Is there anything to to being present in the moment and bring in God's presence. Struggling with my mind at times. Great question. Um, the presence of God is everywhere. The Bible says that that is in him that we live, move, and have our being. You cannot escape the presence of God. You can't, ex you can't escape the love of God. You can't escape it. But can you, can you be disconnected from it? Yes. Um, and the disconnection boils down to your mind. Um, so you have to ask yourself, what distractions do I have in my life? What, what, what thing do I have my dependency in? Um, because whatever you delight in will determine your desires, will determine your discipline, like I said before. And if you're struggling with your mind, you got to say, okay, I have a mind. My mind shouldn't have me. You got to say no mind. We're going to think on things that are just, that are pure, that I love. You have to intentionally think. Thinking is a choice. Do not allow your mind to just wander and to and to, to pour rain on thoughts that are disqualified or unqualified or, or not or that shouldn't be in your mind. You have to take ownership of your mind and say, no, this is how you do it practically. Any thoughts that you're struggling with, I want you to get a sheet of paper or a notebook and do a thought journal. You can call it a thought journal. These are my thoughts, the, my thought journal. And I want you to think about I want you to write down good or bad thoughts. But if there's a thought that's just weighing on your mind, I want you to write that thought in your journal. And I want you to look at that thought and examine it thoroughly. Sometimes when we when we allow thoughts to swim in our minds, they 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 seem real, they feel real, they seem valid. Uh, but when you put words on paper and you look at it with the Holy Spirit, with intentional uh, spirit leadership leading in your life, you will look at that thought and be like, I wasted this much time thinking about this. Now, if it's a complicated thought or a thought of nuance and you're like, I don't really know if I should think on this or not, compare that thought to the word of God. So what I want you to do is look at a thought. If you see things like fear, if you see things like doubt, if you see things like worry, if you see things like anxiety, if you see things like lust, if you see any of those components, I want you to go to openbible.info and type in scriptures on lust, scriptures on worry, scriptures on anxiety. 
and get the word of God alongside of it. The Bible says we cast down vain imagination, every thought that rises up against the knowledge and the, and the authority of Christ. You got to have the authority right there on paper. This is what the authority of the word of God says about this thought. And then you'll be like, you know what? This thought is vain. Now, on the other side of that scripture, I want you to write down a new thought. You have to reverse engineer your bad thoughts by, by engineering and implementing fresh and new thoughts by saying, okay, here are my bad thoughts. Here's what the word of God says about this thought. I filtered that bad thought through the word of God to produce a new thought pattern because your, your life will eventually sit where your mind is sitting. Your mindset is where your mind is currently sitting. If your mind is always sitting in doubt, always sitting in the pool of worry, always sitting in the pool of anxiety, you're going to naturally entertain those thoughts and give life to those thoughts. But if you filter those thoughts through the filter of the Holy Spirit in his word, then you can implement new thoughts. No, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am blessed going out, blessing the city. I am perfectly loved by God. There's no need to fear. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I'm going to trust in God with all my heart and lean not into my own understandings. I will possess my land because you don't filter that negative thought through the word of God. That's how you practically re uh, um, build the strength of your mind to think the way you need to think. Good evening. Is there anything to being present in the moment? You have to master. You have to intentionally engage in the moment. The Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made. Two things you got to do. I will rejoice and be glad in it. There is not, not a day that's the same. God doesn't make duplicate days. We we make days duplicates by rituals, by, uh, by um, regiments. We make days unique and exclusive and 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 and, and unique through relationship. <clears throat> so if if you always make a left, always make a left going to work, always make a left going to work, and you don't and you get so ritualistic in your efforts, then your days become the same. What if God wants you to go right today? What if God wants you to stop at the store? God will give you grace with your manager. You said God will give you so you have to allow the new day that God has made and say, I'm gonna be present in this day. Because I'm going to allow joy to enter me into this day and I'm going to be glad in it because there's things hidden in our lives like Fortnite, like these games, like that. there's treasure chests hidden in our days that if we are present, we can see the gifts that's involved in our present day. Hope that helped. Let's keep going. Justin Pedro. Hey, coach. Hope all is well. All is well, family. Thank you for asking. Uh, Joshua Brockman says. What's up, chat? Oh, y'all, that's cool. That's cool. How do you remain confident in God? You remain confident in God by, by examining his track record. My confidence stays at a high level because who God is, his character is concrete in my life. Your confidence stays steady when you allow the character of God to be concrete in your life. When you know God and you know God is faithful, you know God is a God of his word, that, that his word would not return back to him void, that he has a purpose, uh, he has a hope, that, that he is who he says he is, your confidence stays steady. The enemy wants to bring in confusion. He wants to fuse in your life contradictory things, con, fuse, fuse in contradictory things about the character of God. That's how he got Eve and Adam to to doubt God by confusing them. Did God really say the enemy is going to always try to get you to question the character and, and the word of God? That's how he always does. Did God really say you got to make sure that God's character 
and God's calling on your life is concrete. And that's what keeps you confident because, you know, for God, I live for God, I die. You see what I'm saying? Why fear man who can only kill the body? You better fear the one that could put both body, soul and mind in hell. Like God saying, you got to you got to fear me because it, the world is going to be shaky. The world is going to try you and you got to be concrete in me. So how do you remain confident in God? Get a sheet of paper and write down what God has done for you lately. And dwell on that, meditate on that, examine that. I also want you to go to Google. And I want you to type down, type the attributes of God. I want whatever the, whatever the top five or top 10 attributes you feel the Holy Spirit pressing on you on that has scripture support. I want you to meditate on the scriptures, one attribute a week. Then over time, you'll confidently build when you really get to understand God and you begin to track God. Because when you understand God and his character, you will begin to in real time track the goodness of God, track the character of God, and it will keep you confident in, 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 in troubling situations. Great question. Mario, uh, Mauricio Rodriguez, what's up, family? How can I let God choose for me, my spouse? Let him. Let him. You have to let go and let God. It's that simple. Whatever you holding on to, God can't fix it. If I if I if I go to the phone place and I say, hey man, I need you to fix my phone, and he grabs it and I don't let it go, how can he fix it? You see what I'm saying? So how can you let God choose for your spouse? It's trusting that God knows what's best for you. Many people think that God's going to get them somebody ugly. If I leave it in God's hands, God's going to give me someone I'm not attracted to. If I if God, if God I let God pick my spouse, I might not like it. Do you not? Have you not seen the grass? Have you not seen the, 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 the sky? Have you not seen the beauty of his creation? Do, do you know how Adam felt when he opened his eyes and saw the Adam went from naming Adam animals to being poetic? Adam was like bone of my bone, flesh in my flesh. I'm gonna call you woman because you from my womb. He got all poetic, got the cross out of his eyes. God, God, that's me. God, that's for me. The problem is she was so bad. She was so attractive that, that he made her her everything. That's why God said, man, you can't even make the idea of woman everything because you eat the fruit she gives. You eat the fruit that he gives you. You still got to love God more than that person. So what you got to do is you got you to gotta prep your heart. You got to allow the Holy Spirit to prep your heart to have the right perspective about marriage and about a wife and prepare accordingly. And trust me. Trust me, there is not an ex of my life that can compare to the beauty of my wife. I'm sorry. I don't care. I don't care who they was. I don't care how attractive they was. And this ain't no knock to them. But God handpicked her for me. And, and I see it. I see how she's properly uh, um, positioned for the mission that, she, that God has for us. So trust me on this side of the fence of singleness. Hey, I'm on this side. Hey, y'all. I'm letting y'all know. Let God do the picking. You see what I'm saying? And watch him pick the right one for you. How can you let God choose your spouse? Let him. Because trust me, you cannot, you cannot, if you, I don't care if you go to Instagram and you pick and you look at her, I want that. I want her. This is what I, you could not outpick God. Your pick would never be better than God. Trust me. Because you don't even know what you really want. God knows what you want inside and out. And you got to be careful. 
Because if your heart is full of lust, if your heart is full of comparison, if your heart is full of vanity, then even if you get the best that God has for you, you're going to still try to compare it to somebody that's not fit for you. So you got to get your mind off of looks and get your mind on looks and life. Looks and life. No, no, no. Life then looks. What, what life, what kind of life from this person do I want? And mirror that with your looks and then you'll be like, God, I'm going to let you handle that because I don't even know what I want 10 years from now. The woman that I want at 23 was not the woman I got at 33. Trust me. Michelle Miller says, I am trying to get myself on a schedule, but it's so hard to juggle everything. I have two kids. I am self-employed and work part-time and trying to keep everything on track with God. When you look back at your life, you're going to be like, I don't know how I did it. My mom was a single mom and she raised me. You see what I'm saying? And she put me in private school and she had to pay money for me to be in private school. And we talked maybe a couple of weeks ago and we looked back and we was like, how did it happen? How did a single mom of, of one? I know you have more kids than my mom, uh, but how did my mom work in two or three jobs and I helped her clean dentist offices? How did, how did I get here? Because God is a very present help. God will find it don't matter what time you don't have. It's the time that you do have. You got to be like that boy with the fish and the loaves. This is all I got. Give God all you got and he'll multiply and you'll look over time. How did I get 12 basket fools from this little? Ooh, how did I get 12 baskets full? How did I have enough more than enough when all I had was a couple of fish and some loaves? God, God knows how to multiply the little. You just got to give him the little. You got to say, okay, this is, this is the time I have left. I mean, I'm, I'm going to invest time in my family. I'm not going to compromise my family. I'm not going to compromise my values. But whatever time I have left, I'm going to give that over to God. And when God begins to break it, you will see that it begins to multiply. Um, so don't be discouraged. Don't get so caught up on what you are going through. Just be focused on the one that's helping you get through it and watch. Five years from now, you're going to look back and be like, how did I get through this? How did I get here? You just got to say, God, here is my little. Here is my little. This is all I have left and watch it multiply. I'm trying to get myself on a schedule. You got to be you got to be disciplined when the more you have, you got to be more disciplined because you can get a lot out of your busy schedule. You can get a lot because the people who don't have a lot waste their time. Those people, I find myself more productive when I have, when I'm at work. What I mean by that during the summer months, when I'm out of, out of work because school is out, I have so much free time. You get kind of lost in it. But when you really begin to have a fuller life, you can be, you, at least you have stuff that makes your schedule for you. So make your schedule, be intentional. And you gotta, you gotta under, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be disciplined. It all boils down to I just gotta be disciplined and start little. Set achievable but a stretchable goals, and then you will begin to see the fruit of discipline. I'm sure you're tired of eating the fruit of desires. It's time to eat the fruit of discipline. The fruit of discipline is always sweeter than the fruit of distractions and desires alone. When you get disciplined and you just start with a little and you begin to see fruit from that, you'll be hooked. God help you keep things on track. Just be honest. Track your track yourself. Look up. Look at the things that you're procrastinating. Look at the things that that cause you not to be disciplined and be intentional in reversing those things. Miguel says, hey, coach, how do I start fasting for a close relationship with God? I've never done it. But what? But I want to start. Good question. Um, Fasting. The Bible says some things don't come out, but prayer and fasting. Fasting is a beautiful thing. Um, Fasting gives you an opportunity um, um, to get to know God. Uh, in a clearer way and, and to walk with a clear 
a, with, a, with clarity in life. Now, how do you fast? You got to use wisdom, right? Um, so everything must start with the Holy Spirit. I must warn you, everything. But don't just fast to fast because fasting it, it will be distasteful um, because when you fast, you're going to start getting strong headaches because in fasting, everything's being detoxified. The Christian way of fasting. When you fast, your mind gets detoxed, your emotions get detoxed, your body gets detoxed and your spirit gets detoxed. Because you're you're removing from your life things that become has consumed your life. So when I I remember when I fasted back when I was 24, 25, I fasted from NBA games. And for those who knew me back then, I will watch from tip off to the last whistle. Now I ain't watched a full game in like 12, uh, 24 in 10 years. I'll watch Undisputed. I used to watch ESPN Sports Center back to back. The same sports center I'll watch again. Right. But that was during a phase in my life where I lacked identity. I lacked purpose. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I knew I did videos every now and then, but God was still weaning me. But when I when I fasted, I ain't even really get a taste for it no more. I, I, I looked at watching. You begin to have a clarity of mind. I begin to look at watching games as a waste of time. Everything must be led by the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that, let the Holy Spirit lead you to what fast you need to do and take baby steps. Um, intermittent fasting is what I do almost every day. I, I, I fast in 20 hours. In those 20 hours, I'm really engaged with God and I eat in a four-hour window. Uh, sometimes an eight-hour window, sometimes a six-hour window, depending on my day. Um, I'm, I'm about to get back on my, because the holiday's over, I'm about to get back into my 24 fast. For on Fridays, I fast from, from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, Saturday. And so these are things that the Holy Spirit implemented in my life. I didn't just do these because I want to do them. He said, this is what I want you to do. So things have to start with him because what you don't want to do is start a 21-day fast or seven-day fast without water, you drop dead. There's people who went on 40-day fast, ate meat, and died because you got to be realistic. So what I want you to do is, is go to God and say, God, I want to fast. And wait till he tells you to fast. But in the meantime, study fasting. Study it. The health, healthy ways to fast Christian healthy ways to fast as a Christian and use wisdom. Learn about fasting before you fast. And let the Holy Spirit put you on one. That's what I would do. That's the best advice I can give you. Um, because what I don't want you to do, I don't want you to be out there doing stuff without the without the grace of God, without the help of God, uh, um, guiding you through it. Because fasting is brutal. You start getting headaches, your breath starts stinging, your skin starts changing colors because your body's going through a detox. And after you come out of it, you'll be like, Man, I God, I see you clear as day. <laughs> I see your will clear as day. Oh, y'all watching? We got 107 people. Thank y'all so much for watching. Of course, we start in January 2nd. The purpose of singleness, sign up today, lifework.teachable.com. If you're single or in an unsure relationship, this course is for you. We start live on YouTube January 2nd. But if you want exclusive content and resources and tools, go to lifework.teachable.com. Enroll now to the purpose of singleness course, and we start on Thursday. Get this thumbs, get these, get these likes up. Let's get these likes up so we can get this video up and going because I want to continue to build a community on here. There's a lot of people that need these resources. Let's see how much time I have. I have about time for two more. Okay. Michael says, what's up, coach? What's up, family? How can I be delivered from the flesh? Because every time I fall into it, I feel far from God and I don't want to play with the blood slash grace and mercy every time I fall and ask for forgiveness. Um, like I said, brother, um, there's two things. I'm helping with this practically. Either it's flesh. 
two things. Either it's discipline, the lack of discipline, or demonic. Sometimes we blame um, devils when it's our flesh, and sometimes we blame our flesh when it's a devil. So you have to know the difference. Um, the flesh knows no good thing. Your flesh is, you have to you have to be a realist, my friend. You have to realize that you've been in the old self longer than you have been in your renewed self, which means in order for me to make my life continuously new and progressive in it, that I have to allow my mind to be renewed. Mental renewal starts with the Holy Spirit, but it, there's some cooperation I am, meaning you know where you're weak in life. You know where you're struggling in life. And when you recognize your struggles and your weaknesses, then you will begin to go to the word of God and really allow your mind to be reprogrammed, reset, reestablished, thinking on those things differently. So to be delivered from your flesh, you have to intentionally discipline your flesh. You have to kill your flesh every day intentionally by understanding the value of killing your flesh. The value of I will be more productive. I will be more useful. I will be more effective and efficient for God when my flesh dies. You got to kill it every day. Every day got to wake up and be like, okay, where am I in the flesh today? Because sometimes what contributes to our flesh being dominant, the chemicals in our food, the lack of sleep, the lack of rest, the lack of, of joy in the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of things that contributes to the flesh being dominant. So you got to say, okay, how healthy is my eating? Um, uh, am, I, am I resting? Am I getting sleep? Because when you wake up restless, if you wake up without certain regimens that ensures that you are full of joy, that ensures that you're in the things of God, then you're not. You're going to wake up irritable and then your flesh will come in dominant. But when you are constantly supporting your spirit with disciplines and you go to bed at rest, you go to bed peaceful, you go to bed demanding your sweet sleep, then you will come up with a sweetness about you. Now, no, no homo, but you'll come up with a, with a, with a genuineness about you. And then you will be able to be more spirit dominant, flesh dominant. So you got to look at your whole life and look at your eating, look at your sleep, look at your rest, look at your, look at your stress, Look at your look look at look at what you allow to infiltrate your mind. I look at everything and examine it. And then you'll be able to see through discipline, through the help of the Holy Ghost, that wow, this is how I kill my flesh. You kill your flesh by knowing your flesh, recognizing your flesh, seeing the evil of your flesh. When you know your flesh is evil, you stay humble. And when you humble, you always ask God for help. And then the Holy Spirit will help. God will keep you if you desire to be kept. God will keep you if you desire to be kept. So there's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, the blood works. The blood covers. His grace is sufficient. His mercy and grace follows you every day. So when you fall, fall on him. And then when you fall on him, you re, you uh, regroup. You, you know, this is what you do. You repent. You repent. You regroup and you rebound. Repent. Regroup. Rebound. Repent. Regroup. Rebound, reassess. Oh, okay. Repent, reassess, regroup, rebound, reassess. Okay. Why did I fall this time? What got me here? You got to be able to think, what got me here? What did I do? How, what contributed to this? Oh, reassess. Now I'm going to regroup and I'm going to rebound and I'm going to go forward. When you make, you're going to make mistakes, man. Don't beat yourself down. Don't allow condition to rob you. Just say, you know what? God's grace and mercy follows you for a reason. The Bible says his grace and mercy will follow you all the days. You're like, why? You're going to need grace and mercy every day. I mean, God's love is there. But then the Bible says God's love follow you because love is love. <laughs> love is love. Grace 
And mercy needs to follow you. So when you fall, you fall in God's grace, you fall in God's mercy. That doesn't mean you abuse God's grace or mercy. You fall in it. Okay. And great. You learn from, okay, grace, what do I need to know about this? God will guide you through his grace. He will make you mindful of his mercy. And then when you, because something about God's mercy, God, you're merciful. Mm. When you get so caught up on God's grace, but don't think about God's mercy, you become one-sided. When you think about God's grace, you're just thinking God's good, God's good, God's good, and he is good. But when you are mindful of his mercy, mercy means he's mindful of your mess. He's like, I'm mindful of your mess. That's why mercy's there. Mercy says, I know what you're doing, but you do you you better get it together, son. We got we, my mercy's here, but come on, man. That's why I love the scripture says his mercies are new every morning. You need his mercy because we're going to make mistakes more, but you should make certain mistakes less because, because, because you allowing God's work to work in your life. Hope to help. Last one. I'm done. Mariana does Silva. The Lord has shined upon you through his servant coach, Josh. You are the last one for today. Ain't God good. Hey coach, I am new here. Well, look at that. Welcome. We're glad to have you. I'm glad to have you. Hey, coach, I am new here. What to do when a man says he loves you, but he doesn't do any doesn't do any moves to commit? We are friends and he doesn't want to commit. If he doesn't want to commit, it ain't legit. No commitment, no legitimates, no legitimacy. You have to understand that a man, a man just wants you to be. Don't be committed to a man's words. Do only man. The only man's words you can should be committed to is the word of God is the words from God. Don't be committed to no man who ain't your husband. You see what I'm saying? So if, if, he, ain't, if he ain't commit, it ain't legit. And what he does and what he's doing right now, he's trying to he's trying to linger you alone. With his lips, with the words from his lips. And all of a sudden, now you left empty. You left. Anytime you have to think about what y'all are or who y'all are or what it is that y'all doing, that man ain't made to lead. Mm-mm. That man ain't made to lead until that man has, has been made to bleed. Bleed of himself. Die to himself. He ain't ready to lead. He ain't ready to lead if he ain't if he ain't ready to bleed. He ain't ready to lead if he ain't ready to seed. He ain't ready to lead if he ain't ready to do anything that rhymes with seed or bleed. See what I'm saying? So what to do when a man says he loves you? Loves from the words of a man can be shallow. Even from the mouth of a woman can be shallow. Don't you have to examine your heart. Why does his words matter so much to you? Is it because you didn't hear much from your dad? Is it because you don't know what true love is? You won't be able to recognize love until you recognize love, capital L. You won't be able to implement or act love as a verb until you know love as a noun. Until you allow God's perfect love to cast away your fear, you won't be able to walk in faith. So something in you hasn't been perfected by God's love. You got to get to a place where you find the love of God. You walk with the love, Dr. Love. God love, and then you allow love to perfect, to produce self-love because self-love produces self-care. Right now, my advice to you is if he doesn't want to move to commitment, you have to ask yourself these questions. Commitment to what? Is he Has he communicated with you that he's not ready for a relationship? Has he communicated with you? But if this man is saying things like, I love you, Love has residual actions. If there's no actions, those words are void. If there's no actions, those words mean nothing. You examine them by their fruit, not by the sign that says what kind of fruit it bears. Just because a sign outside this tree says we got love here, you better. 
Because what cursed the tree, the fig tree, was that it had leaves but not fruit. It gave off, uh, it gave off the impression that there was fruit, but when you pulled the leaves back, there was no fruit. So just because a man says there's love, he's trying to hang you on to his words, and he knows that his words are hollow. And when you hang on hollow things, those things break you. Hey, coach, I'm new here. What to do when a man says he loves you, but he doesn't do anything to move towards commitment? We are friends. Break the friends. You don't need to be friends with him. What don't what I what I, I would say this. Have a conversation with him. Say what's going on. Have one last conversation. Be prepared for his answer. If he says, well, you know, you know, I'm just and ain't no concrete, ain't no honesty, ain't no direction. Then you got to you got to you got to get out of that. And first off. The one God has for you will commit to you. Don't ask for commitment. Look for legitimacy. And legitimacy is found in a man's fear of God. Because if a man doesn't fear God, he is not going to reverence you. If a man doesn't fear God, he's not going to walk wisely with you. And if he's afraid to commit, then he must deal with some stuff that's not making him uh, um, be who he needs to be. So have that conversation with him and say, you know what? Where are we going? Just all, That's all you got to say. Where are we going? And if it's vague and if it's not precise, then that's the last time you give him a part of your life. It's that simple. Love you guys. Y'all be blessed. I pray this uh, podcast, this live Q&A was a blessing. Go to lifework.teachable.com to enroll into the Purpose of Singleness course. Get your book. Download the syllabus. Um, I have a book on singleness. This book right here is what's uh, helping with this coaching um, course. Uh, I got a book here called World War Me, if you're dealing with spiritual warfare. I got a book on soul ties and strongholds, the purpose of freedom. That book's on all these books on Amazon. I got a book called Dating Prep and a card game that goes with it. All that's on my website, IamUnplugged.com. Um, this book, Unplugged, is for nostalgia purposes. My first book I ever wrote. Um, enroll in the course. If you want to support the course, you can support by donate. It's free. But if you want to give a support, we'll accept that. If you want to support our mentoring program, it starts in February, the first, second Wednesday in February. We're excited. We're probably going to have about 40, 45 kids we're going to mentor. Um, we're also going to be at the middle school as well. So we need your support uh, to help us with that program, with food, with uh, 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 resources. We got to get their books for them, their curriculum. And excited. If you want to understand more about our mentoring program, go to wepropel.education or go to Instagram and go to propelclt. Or you can go look at my book, As He Says, Esiums for the Students I Serve. That's the curriculum for the kids in our mentoring program. And if you got a kid and they're not able to be a part, um, get that book. Get the book for both of y'all. Read it with each other and see the fruit that bursts from it. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Um, uh, shirts up under the video. Um, course, enroll into it now. Books on Amazon. Everything's on my website. If you need to know it, I am unplugged.com. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Um, I'll do, I'll probably do a video tomorrow and on Tuesday. Tuesday is my birthday. December 31st is my birthday. I'll probably still do a video on that day. Um, but, uh, man, I'll be 34. Whoo, coach getting old. I'm getting old, but I'm getting young at the same time. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. See y'all tomorrow. Lord willing. Wife willing too. <laughs> when you marry, fellas, it's Lord willing and wife willing. Um, but I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. See y'all next time. Peace.